once again to a novel evening. I'm Danny. You can find me on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books or on TikTok as Novel Evening Podcast. And I am joined this week by one of my favourite, favourite authors. I adored her debut novel, These Violent Delights. I loved the follow-up in the duology, These Violent Ends. And this year is a bumper, bumper year for Chloe Gong because she has got three releases this year. I don't, honestly couldn't tell you how she's done it. Uh, absolutely incredible. Um, and she is rounding out her uh, duology, her series set in Shanghai. Um, she has got uh, Last Violent Call is coming out where we revisit Roma and Juliet. She's got Foulheart Huntsman, which kind of rounds out Rosalind's tale. And not only that, she has her first adult novel coming out. Her first adult fantasy is going to be coming out this month when this is released. It's going to be coming out Immortal Longings. Oh my goodness. Wait until you hear what Chloe has to say. And the whole plot of the story is... Oh, god it's everything i need so i'm super super excited to welcome chloe gong onto the podcast so a huge hello to chloe hi hello i'm so excited ah i'm so thrilled that you're here honestly i can't say enough how excited i am (laughs) i'm so excited i'm great how are you i am good i was saying i am melting uh because it's actually hot in the UK we say hot it's like 27 degrees so that's hot for us it is it's hot because it feels hotter like there are some places here like in the states where it's like okay 27 a nice brisk breeze but yes yeah it's hot and we're not equipped at all we can't (laughs) (laughs) yeah see in New Zealand like I don't think we'd ever hit 27 maybe we do now with global warming but otherwise we have such temperate climates that I'm like oh my goodness too hot too cold I die yeah oh my god same and we cannot cope if we get like a tiny bit of snow everything stops that's it (laughs) too much heat our train tracks are melting too much snow we can't go anywhere we're not equipped for any but rain yeah yeah that's just how it is (laughs) it is and you're obviously in New York at the moment Mm -hmm. how is it out there because you've obviously had your big smoke cloud how is everything doing now I mean it looks great now you know I can see the buildings unlike the smoke apocalypse when everything was brown outside and I saw people making memes that it looks like Blade Runner 2049 and it literally did like the color palette was identical (laughs) have you got the beautiful view of all the kind of buildings outside do you get a little I have a side view of another tall building so (laughs) (laughs) you know classic New York to peer into someone else's windows isn't it exactly exactly oh well thank you so much again for coming to chat to me so first off I loved your duology going right back to the beginning these violent delights I mean Shanghai in the 20s Romeo and Juliet retelling everything I needed (laughs) (laughs) I loved it as the elevator pitch yeah oh my goodness it was everything so to go right back to the beginning, what kind of tempted you to take on such a well-known story? <laughs> I mean, I think it was that I had the idea of the premise before I actually wanted to do a Romeo and Juliet retelling. I wanted to work with 1920 Shanghai. And because the real history at that time was gangs and lawlessness and just, you know, crime on the streets, and yet still the sense of you know, self-sufficiency, that people were looking out for each other, even if everything was very violent. Um, That was real history. 
And I thought, I want to build a story out of two rival gangs who have the same kind of power. And it's this kind of like intricate look at what does it mean when you are equal enemies versus a system of oppression and all of that because of the history. The more I thought about it, the more I said, okay, I can't write about rival families without someone going, oh, so you're writing Romeo and Juliet, right? Um, and because, you know, I loved Shakespeare throughout high school, I was an English major in uni, I was like, it is just so much more interesting if I don't flinch away from that comparison. I may as well take that concept head on and go, yes, I am redoing Romeo and Juliet, but I'm putting a completely different lens over it so that we're re-engaging with these old themes, but completely for a new audience with new kind of like findings about like core humanity, but it's still what Shakespeare is covering. Yeah. And it's dark. You've got some dark elements in there. There were some gory moments I didn't expect. I don't want to give anything away for anyone who hasn't read it, but there were some shocking moments in there. So many of my books are like horror novels in, in disguise. Like there are just moments where I go really hard into the gore and then I'm like, you know, I didn't have to go that hard, but it was fun. Yeah. And obviously you then took one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. from those novels to give them their own story, Rosalind, who I loved. What was it about Rosalind that drew you to start, you know, telling her story as well? Mm -hmm. That's really, really nice to hear because the majority opinion on Rosalind was, oh my God, I hate her. Uh, Which, you know, was almost intended in a way because especially in young adult fiction, right? Especially when you have emotional teenagers and readers are also probably of that audience where you just make snap decisions about these characters you read about someone who's kind of in the protagonist's path and you think oh I hate them I I don't like them um so Rosalind is the one who in the original duology without going too spoilery got the short end of the stick I felt that when the just about every character had a satisfying character arc of sorts except Rosalind you know she was the one who kind of made bad choices and then the story ends because it's not her story if we we don't want to spend too much time looking at you know is she going to repent what is she going to do um but there was so much story potential there and I knew I wanted to do a spinoff from the moment I finished the first draft of the first book I just thought I can't delve too much into her right now because this is the Romeo and Juliet retelling, but there is so much good, juicy character work. Um, So, you know, as I was putting together the original duology, the intent was very much to set her up as kind of hard to understand, a bit prickly, a bit unlikable. And then when you get the spinoff, the intention was to put the reader into her shoes and to see like oh even if you can't agree with what she did you almost understand it you see where she was coming from and you see the kind of journey she takes to like allowing herself to forgive some of her bad choices Uh, um which I really loved okay and this is a busy year for you right because Mm -hmm. you have not just got one book coming out this year three you've got in total yes I do I do Three, three releases, uh, the first of which is already out last Violent Call in February. We've got Immortal Longings coming next month. And then of September, we've got Foul Heart Huntsman, which is the conclusion to the entire YA series. So very excited. Enough 
to do? Are you just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually on another project. <laughs> so obviously, you know, you've got, you're going back, last five and cool, we're, we're going back to Roma and Juliet. Hmm. What was it that brought you back? She obviously had the duology. What was it that hmm. made you say, look, there's more to this story of this couple? <laughs> I really wanted to write something very sickeningly happy. And that was Last My Uncle in a nutshell. Um, to be honest, you know, it wasn't a necessity. And I think that's the beauty of novellas. They can be skippable um, if someone just wants to read the story. Uh, I was writing that, I guess, a bit after the thick of the pandemic. Um, and I was getting kind of sick of writing like really dark things. Most of my books are really dark. I enjoy it as I'm putting them together, but I had just been doing it for so much. I'd been, I'd drafted the entirety of like mortal longings. I was writing a lot of angst in like the Pallady Fortune duology. Um, and I knew there was a bit of a plot thread that I could put together to kind of glimpse into what Roma and Juliet and Marshall and Benedict were doing um before they make their appearance in Belha Huntsman which isn't a spoiler I've been very open that they will kind of come back um there was a bit of a thread there and I thought I just have some like cute and happy things to write and I think it'll make me happy uh and originally I actually wasn't going to sell it I just I was just going to write it for myself um but then so many readers were asking me like what if you did like a novella what if you just gave us some bonus stories <laughs> I thought Okay, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you've obviously said you know you're going to be wrapping up this YA series that you've built. How does that feel to close that door on all these characters? Crazy. It feels crazy to me because I'm also never going to be able to do something like this again. Um, since I started these violence lights when I was 19, I, I was the same age as all of these main characters, um, and I'm going to end it the same way like I'm 24 now when we get to last violent call so are the main characters it's as if I've grown up with them um and I'm never going to be able to recreate that feeling again you know I'm going to be writing YA for a very very long time I'm going to be starting new stories new characters but it's never going to have that same firstborn feeling as yeah this cast of characters um so it's very surreal to be wrapping up all of their stories and I'm going to miss them a lot but I know that this finale is really, really what they deserve and how everything kind of falls into play. So I'm really proud of it. And I'm really excited for people to read it, but I'm also like, oh no, it's gonna end. That's it. And you even said, you know, new stories. So Immortal Longings is taking us to a whole new, you know, world. You're building a whole new thing here. Firstly, tell us about Immortal Longings. Yes. So Immortal Longings is my adult debut. It's the first of a trilogy um set in this fantastical world that is inspired by the Kowloon-Walled City that stood in 1990s Hong Kong merged with the rise of the Roman Empire which is a very eclectic yeah and I know <laughs> uh but th there's a reason for that it is it is very much this story about a dense heaving city um it's a walled city there's just so many people in it and the civilians of this kingdom can swap bodies as they please. It is just a part of the way of life. Um, and when, when, when a set of games is played annually every year, that's the only time the king makes an appearance. And we kind of open with our main character, who is a criminal princess, who's trying to kill the king uh, to free free the kingdom of you know monarchy and all of that. 
But things get really, really complicated when she teams up with a exiled aristocrat to win the games. But as you all know, whenever you get into a partnership with anyone to, you know, reap the benefits, things get complicated. Um, but it is a, it is Antony and Cleopatra inspired. Sometimes I'll call it a retelling, but I always say it is more a retelling of Antony and Cleopatra, the Shakespearean characters than the Shakespearean play. So while it does take certain elements of the play and, you know, the rise of the Roman Empire, um, it is still so much a character study about obsession and love and codependency, where that line lays between two people who have a lot of power, but don't have the same goals. Ooh, you've, oh, you've sold me. So <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Pre-ordering, need it immediately. <laughs> Sounds amazing. So you're stepping into fantasy here. How mm. different does that feel? Because, you know, there was a little bit of the fantastical in you know, yes. these violent delights mm. but just kind of touching on it how did this feel to just let your imagination mm. go wild it was it felt a lot um it gave me a lot of freedom and that I could just invent things but it also gave me a huge headache because then I needed to invent rules as well um like, like you mentioned you know these violent delights is fantastical but it is still at its core set in history. It, it brings on speculative elements, it brings a monster, a madness, but it is so firmly a world that we could recognize. Immortal Longings is set in a world where, you know, it, we don't really recognize that. The way that things function, the way that um, they swap bodies, it is a magic system that the characters don't call it magic, it's just the way of life, which also means there's a lot about it that they haven't discovered yet either. Um, so it was very challenging, I think, to figure out what I knew for book one and then also figure out what I will need to know in book three, but the characters don't, because they will discover a lot of things about their own world, about their own system that, you know, history in their world has been hiding from them. But then I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to draw up the whole historical like timeline. I need to do a little textbook for my entire world. I'm inventing this. If I miss out one detail, that's on me. Um, so it is a lot of fun, I think, to be able to play God over fantasy. But the pressure, oh my goodness. <laughs> that's what I like. That's the thing. I adore fantasy. I enjoy writing fantasy. But I think I prefer magical realism for that reason. Mm. You're a little bit constricted, mm. right? You're a little mm. bit kind of, you've got the world around you. You've kind of got to play to. When you go full fantasy, yeah. you can let your imagination go too far, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's like, you know, with realism, it has that base. With fantasy, it's like, oh, you can change everything. But if you change everything, you better get the consequences in there or else it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. And yeah. fantasy readers pick up on that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they will know. Oh, they know. They know. I am one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we know when we read something, we're like, wait a minute. If you do that, mm -hmm. what about this? What happens mm -hmm. to that? Exactly, exactly. Got, so yeah. you said this is the first of a trilogy. Mm -hmm. Do you know where the trilogy is going? I do. I started out knowing how the very end needs right. to go. Um, and that is exactly, I think, a problem about, you know, setting up the world and all of that, because I know how book three ends. But the thing is, I can't give it all away from the very beginning. And it is so tempting when I get questions of like, oh, but you mentioned this in book one. Like, what about this and this and this? And it takes everything in me not to be like, well, 
book two has the explanation right there, but I can't say anything because it's not coming out for a long while. I want so you to I buy it. Like, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm just like, well, you'll see. Oh my goodness. And do you think, you know, you said you're going to be writing YA for a long time. Do you see yourself going back to YA after these books or do you can see yourself continuing with adults? Do you kind of know where you're going to go? I think I'm going to be in both for a very long time. Um, I I really love writing adult. I think because as I'm getting older, a lot of the stories I come up with and a lot of the things I think about are just very like adult concerns. And I love kind of exploring that space. But I also, I feel like I cut my teeth on young adult. You know, that was the space that I am so familiar with because young adult was having its heyday commercial boom as I was really getting into loving reading and becoming a writer. Um, so, you know, I can never stay away from YA for too long. I will always just have, you know, things to explore there, but also adult has so much potential, um, for me to be jumping around in. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be in both spaces for as long as they let me. Love it. I love it. And, you know, this is going to be such an exciting year. I have absolutely no doubt that all three books are going to do amazingly. Um, I'm so excited, but for all three of them, I literally cannot wait um I think Aww. you know it's, it's your whole setup for you know these violent delights and the ongoing series around that was incredible but Aww. I was very excited to see you're doing adults because I think that's going to be you. awesome so honestly <laughs> I I'm not going to wish you luck because they're going to do great so really <laughs> great <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> not to you know it's really awkward when people are like you're amazing but also and it's like oh <laughs> it's like I start blushing I have to hide my face <laughs> I'm really sunburned so I'm not blushing <laughs> I'm just really red uh, look, let's let's talk about your novel evening so you've mentioned mm-hmm. a couple of times that you know you studied English you're obviously mm-hmm. a fan of Shakespeare and some of you know his works mm-hmm. so I'm curious whether some of that might come into play with your novel evening maybe maybe oh that's that's interesting maybe <laughs> but so my first question is always mm-hmm. where are we going to go for your mm-hmm. evening yeah so I thought about this beforehand which is why I thought that was really interesting because my first like idea for that was outer space okay <laughs> we'll bring Shakespeare too okay okay yeah. are you going with outer space I'm going with outer space I think Anywhere that's fine has anyone has anyone said outer space before you went first oh, good. good 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 are we on a spaceship are we I think we will be on a um we'll be on a galactic international space station. Ooh, okay. Okay, mm. I like this. I I like the idea of being in space. I don't know if I'd ever want to actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to look at space from a distance. Mm. I love stars. Mm-hmm. But uh there's something kind of cool about being in it. It's an unusual mm. setting. Will we have gravity on this ship or are we just floating about? We'll have gravity. Yeah. Yeah. It'll That's feel yeah, it'll feel nice and stable, but we'll be in space. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're in space. We're on your intergalactic space station. Yes. Who is the first person who's gonna, I guess, dock? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, it has to be. It has to be Shakespeare's reincarnation. I think he he deserves to go to space. He died I mean, too early. <laughs> oh, I my goodness! It, wouldn't yeah. that be interesting to see what words he would come up with about space? right? Yeah, because he was so influenced by his environment. Now let's toss him to the highest possible place he can go. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of questions to ask Shakespeare. You know, was his work actually his? You know, mm-hmm. 
did he come up with his own ideas what were the truths with his wife and him was he just a mm. humble school teacher who hit it big or was there something else going on we'll solve all the conspiracies that have plagued us over the years he's got nowhere to go either he's in space mm-hmm. so, he can't, he can't run he can't run yeah <laughs> he's literally yeah. trapped so he has <laughs> to answer those questions okay shakespeare's gonna arrive probably a lot of sorts mm-hmm. uh not confused but he's gonna arrive who's mm-hmm. gonna come next I think I want to bring in one of my main characters because alongside, you know, I'm assuming we're going to have like a dinner party on the interspace galactic. I I don't remember what phrasing I use. Intergalactic space station. (laughs) I imagine, yeah, we can have food. They had food. It'll be a dinner party. So we've got Shakespeare at the table. I, I would bring in like, Marshall from these violent delights. Oh. Um, I think he would have a lot. He okay. First, he would just be a really good dinner party guest because he's just so like he's such a people person. He'll always have something to say. But primarily, he's gonna be really offended for his Shakespearean counterpart Mercutio because he's gonna ask Shakespeare like, "Why did you kill him? That was like the best character in the play." And then I want to hear Shakespeare's answer to that because Marshall wouldn't let that topic drop. Yeah, I'm. I've always been curious why he killed off Mercutio because, again, he was the best character in that mm-hmm. play. That maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe it's true though because he was the best character. He didn't. His death. Yes, I guess it sparked the plot events, you know, with Tibble. Yeah. But but he wasn't a Capulet or a or a Montague, so he was neutral. Yeah, it's very. You know, there was Benfolio. He could have been. He yeah. could have been the one. Yeah, he could have. He could have. But no, I, that would be interesting. I think there'd be some debate going on there. And it'd be interesting to see what Shakespeare makes of this, you know, retelling of his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what doing that's that. Okay. So who else have we got? Okay. Um, I would want to invite Mary Shelley. I think yeah. she, anytime I'm thinking about like, get an author to a dinner party, dead or alive, Mary Shelley. Because not only did she invent the sci-fi genre, she was also a teenage girl when she invented the sci-fi genre. And I just think that's so powerful of her. I would just pick her brain, ask her how she did it. And her life was just so interesting. She had so much drama, you know, that whole circle. Such a young age. She died so young as well. Like such a crazy, you know, there's, you know, Percy and all that Mm -hmm. going on. And what was the deal there? Uh, yeah I think like you say when you think about someone who just completely broke the mold mm-hmm. and her life was quite tragic early on as well mm-hmm. she really came from pretty awful beginnings as well mm-hmm. into and you know had a quite stressful yeah. life but was also yeah. so incredibly talented yeah produced so like Frankenstein oh my goodness just talent what would she have done if she'd lived as well I'd love to ask her what else would you have done mm. what other ideas do you have she would just start writing at the dinner table. You know, space has no rules. We're just hurtling through time. time that I don't time know if that's how space travel works. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm assuming you don't have time in space. Right, right. Well, yeah. Depends on where we are, right? Maybe 10 seconds are passing and 20, second, 20 years are passing somewhere else. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a physicist. I have no idea either. how it all works, but we've got time. <laughs> And look, yeah. she wrote that in she wrote Frankenstein, what, in the evening at a dinner party? Exactly. Exactly. She might produce the next masterpiece. Exactly. Okay, so we've got three 
pretty formidable guests, I would mm. say, around that table. Do you have anyone else coming? Okay. I would also invite Augustus, the Roman emperor, <laughs> for funsies. <laughs> because, because I think he would have a lot to say about Antony and Cleopatra, the Shakespeare play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have a lot of questions for him because I studied like his life very thoroughly in classics during yeah. high school. Um, and I would want to know what the nature of his relationship was with his best general, um, Agrippa, because those two seemed like more than best friends. I, I want to know. I really want to know. <laughs> and just bring Agrippa in like towards the end. Yes. Of the okay. Agrippa is invited too. Yeah. 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 Save then, him. Don't let him know he's coming until you've got some deeds and then yes. bring him in and be like, Yes, yes, yes. Surprise entrance. And then if they don't answer my questions, I bring Antony and Cleopatra in and then they start fighting. Ooh, ooh, on a space station. Okay. Yeah. We have nowhere to go. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I would love to meet Cleopatra. To be fair, no one's ever said Cleopatra, which is wild to me because there's so much said about her as well. And again, I want to be she, like, what was true? She is so fascinating as a historical character, not character, like obviously she was a real person, but as a historical character of everything that survived about her, there's just, there's so much, there's so much speculation. Even Shakespeare like wrote a play about her, you know? So many interpretations of her as well. So mm -hmm. many different takes on her and, you know, even down to how she looked, how she'd spoken, mm. how she behaved. Like, I'd love to just sit down, but right, what was real? What actually happened? Mm. I want to do that with so many historical figures. Yeah. It's like, th this is one of the things that frustrates me the most about humanity. Like, after a certain length of time, you just don't know. You will never know. That knowledge is lost. That keeps me up at night. I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah. Like, I love Anne Boleyn. She is one of my all-time favorite mm -hmm. historical figures. But so much has been said and written and mm -hmm. rewritten and it just gets lost. And I want to know, like, were you actually yeah. a massive bitch or yeah. what, what was yeah. the deal? Tell yeah. me. What was the deal? We'll never know. That's the truth. Okay. You've got quite a lot of drama now happening on this. Yes, station. I do. I do. Uh, yeah. Are you bringing anyone else into it or do you think that's your, that's your mitts? I think that would make a good dinner party. It's got everything mm -hmm. it needs. Good mm. conversation, drama, mm. some new scandal. Mm. You've got yeah. all of it in there. But the other question I ask, is there mm. anybody you don't want to show up? Ooh. That's a great question. I can't think of. I don't think there's anyone I wouldn't want to show up because there's just so much make for drama here. But to twist it a bit, I think what I would want to happen is that halfway through the dinner, Augustus the emperor gets shot out of an airlock. Because I think that would create drama. <laughs> just for fun. Just for fun. Just because yeah. we can't. She play God in this scenario. So mm -hmm. we can him out. Yeah. It'd be interesting how a gripper reacts. Oh, yeah. Then I get, we get answers. We get history in the making. Yeah, yeah we do. And also, will he immediately blame Cleopatra and, you know, Anthony? Probably start another war on our. Yeah, from a space, space station. station. Yeah. Might not Which go well fun. for us. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that'd be fun to witness <laughs> look this is the this is the first one that's ever taken place in space so you already get points for that 
uh, you know, we've got Augustus, Agrippa, Cleopatra, yeah. Shakespeare, Anthony, Mary Shelley, and then Paul Marshall. I know Marshall. Someone needs to get Marshall out of this in the same way that they said in like airships to like zone, like war zone combat, like breakout areas. You know how like like countries will send planes to collect their citizens. I'll have to send a plane for Marshall. Yeah, something a, a, a rocket. One of those exercises yeah. needs to come, yeah. take him away because he did not sign yeah. up for any of this drama. He just wanted he a didn't. nice thing with Shakespeare. Yeah. Shakespeare didn't ask for any of this, but he, you know, he wrote Cleopatra and Antony might have something to say about their portrayal. Do you know I mean that might start some? Yeah, I think Shakespeare deserves his fate either way. Whatever happens in that space war, Marshall can get extracted, but he's the only one. I know poor Mary, but I think if anyone yeah. on the run, it's probably Mary Shelley. That's true. She'll survive. She'll be fine. She's resourceful. Okay. Yeah. I like this very much. It's very unusual. <laughs> You've got drama. Look, I live for the drums. That's what I want <laughs> at a dinner party. If someone's getting shot out of an airlock, yeah, I'm absolutely. I'm absolutely. Someone's getting shot out of an airlock. We're getting interna- intergalactic war breaking out. It's. I'm just gonna sit there eating my rehydrated meal. Yeah, 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 yeah. This unfolds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Of course, that was a pleasure. <laughs> and before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your New York afternoon, mm-hmm. I have to ask if you're reading anything at the mm-hmm. moment. Oh, I just finished the other day, uh, The Scarlet Alchemist by Kylie Lee Baker. Um, so good. It is- Tell me, what's it about? I've not heard of it. Coming out in October, I think. I should nice. that. Um, it is a alternate history of the Tang Dynasty. And it reimagines um, a world where alchemy is, you know, very real and follows a girl who can resurrect the dead. Um, A lot of court intrigue, palace politics, and a very cool magic system that, again, isn't called magic. I am really, really into that. When it's just built into that world um, and the rules are understood as just what that world is. It's so good. Highly recommend Ooh, I will absolutely check that out. And what's next? What's next on your bookshelf? On my bookshelf? Um, every time I do this, I look around and then I realize that all of my next books are like the physical digital e-reading arcs. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what is all my books like? Um, next thing I'm reading is So Let Them Burn by Camilla Cole, who is my friend. She wrote a great book. I am I'm assuming I haven't read it yet, but I want to read it soon. It's you've said it now yeah yeah (laughs) I know it's gonna be great I just need to read it um it is about a uh it is fantasy land with dragons and it is about a princess who goes to a well you know I haven't read the description in a while I know that it's gonna be good because it's Camilla so (laughs) dragons and princesses immediately on there fantasy with that in is like so classic exactly it's like I, I could pull I could pull up the official description right now and read it however I think me just not knowing anything but having the general vibes and still telling everyone that it's going to be good with a hundred percent of my faith and belief is just more convincing as an elevator pitch yeah like read it it's gonna be I haven't read exactly. it I don't remember the thing but I know it's gonna be good and that should exactly. be enough exactly exactly yeah well <laughs> Well, look, you sold it to me based on that <laughs> pitch, so I'm going to read it. So it's worked on somebody. <laughs> it sounds wicked. Look, thank you 
so so much this has honestly been such a pleasure so you know your your books are coming out it's not long actually is it is it this not month, long next at all. month yeah next, next release month. Is next month yeah. Longings, right yeah. mortal longings july 25th in the uk yeah well my period will be coming i'm very excited i cannot wait to get stuck in and if you're ever in the uk doing some signings i will come and bring my big pile <sighs> yes 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 sounds great do it be so much fun but thank you so much again and i wish you all the best for your books you don't need it they're going to do fantastically thank you so much again thank you for having me this was such a joy and enjoy the rest of your night